Hello and welcome to this week's episode of That One Time I Dated a Mormon. I hope that you've had a good week um, and are looking forward to an extended bank holiday. Um, I <coughs> like to say thank you to a few people who sent me some um, on Instagram, some get well messages after my very post-COVID-y cough session in the episode last week. So I apologise if I've still got some of that um, lingering, but I'm much better. Thank you very much. Um, I am going to talk today about um, an advert that's been all over the news. Um, you may have heard of it, you may have not, but it's the Samsung advert of uh, a young woman running at two o'clock in the morning. Um, just from that, you might already start to think about what some of the issues are. Um, but before that, I want to just talk about something that's been else's in the news that's caught my eye. Um, and I've always said that I'm a big follower um, and supporter of Jamila Jamil and her highway movement. And um, I'm sure, again, you will have heard in the news this week about the Twitter sale. Um, and that, um, I always get his name wrong. I always say Eaton rather than Elon. Elon Musk has purchased Twitter for $44 billion. Um, I think that's the amount of something absolutely ludicrous anyway. Um, and when he um, bought Twitter, he tweeted, I hope that even my worst critics remain on Twitter because that is what free speech means. Um, I don't think he quite understands what free speech is because if you think about any type of online platform, um, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, for a lot of people, free speech just means hate speech. Um, and that they think they can get away with calling it free speech when actually it's just misogyny. Um, uh, so that kind of made me laugh that that's his $44 billion tweet. Um, but Jamila Jamil, who's obviously very outspoken about all things anti-minority, so racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, misogyny, all the horrendous things that happen. Um, she was very quick to um, post her last tweet and to quit Twitter because of um, Musk. So she says on Twitter, quote, he got Twitter. I would like this to be what lies here as my last tweet. Just really any excuse to show pics of Barold, and that's her dog. Um, she says, I fear this free speech bid, so she's quoting him there, is going to help this hell platform reach its final form of totally lawless hate, bigotry and misogyny. Best of luck. Now, obviously, you know, that's tongue in cheek with a serious message and a, and a point of view as well. Um, and, you know, she did it funnily with pictures of her dog to say goodbye to. But the response of um, people to her doing that has been equally bonkers. Um, as you, as, well, maybe as you, as you could expect, equally bonkers as someone buying it for £44 billion. Um, So... Um, you know, she's come out and said uh, she still has her Instagram account, which is where the majority of her, her Iway movement works. That um, men who she said she would quite constantly get negative comments and tweets from on Twitter have now set up um, accounts on Instagram to attack her there. Um, and you know, comments like, you know, who cares, you've quit Twitter, no one knows who you are anyway, and various, you know, she's she said, like, rape threats and death threats and all the rest of it, because that's what um, straight men do to um, women of colour who have opinions. Um, and not all straight men, obviously, not hashtag not all men. Um, but, you know, the ironic thing is, well, they've set up accounts to tell her how much they hate her and how much she doesn't mean to them, 
but they've set up accounts to do that. Um, it's just very odd how, um, and it goes back to, you know, an episode that I've done and reading and things I've spoken about in terms of incel culture and online culture, how the, you know, this, this culture almost can't seem to handle rejection. So as soon as they feel that she's rejected them by um, cancelling her communication, then they almost kind of fly off the handle about it. Um, but what is really interesting as well, I've said interesting about 14 times now, I do apologise, is that uh, there is a, an article published in the Daily Mail online, um, everyone's favourite right wing, um, that claimed all of her final tweets were hysterical and hysteria. And obviously, again, that is just turning a woman's point of view into um gaslighting and misogynistic gaslighting but what i didn't know and i found this fascinating when i read about it is that um and I've, i can't believe i've never thought of it before is that the word hysteria which in terms of its actual kind of definition um is linked to emotional distress and uh, an illness in women um, but comes from the Greek word for uterus, a hystera or a hystera. Um, and if you think about it, then a hysterectomy that women go through, then hysterical hysteria comes from that. Of course it does. I can't believe I've ever thought of that. So the idea of a woman being hysterical essentially, you know, linguistically is rooted inside her own body in the hysteria, a hysterectomy, a uterus. So one person had written in the article I was reading about it that women have essentially been gaslighted against their own body and their own opinion since the Greeks. And then, you know, we're seeing it even with Jamila Dumil trying to just remove herself from male hatred that she's still called um, hysterical. Anyway, I just thought it was fascinating. I'd, I'd never clocked that, um, the, the etymology of that word before. So um, the advert I'm going to talk about today and then the topic that that links to of, of, of female safety and women's safety um, is an advert for Samsung, uh, which shows a woman running at two o'clock in the morning. I think her alarm goes off at 2 a.m. and she gets out and puts her jogging gear on and goes. And in the advert, you know, she's kind of, um, she's watched by an owl and someone goes past her on a bike and um, she runs down an alley and she has headphones on. Um, and she's circled by a man on a bike and she runs through deserted streets since the middle of the night and da, da 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 And a lot of people have come out and said that it's wishful thinking, that it's completely tone deaf. Um, you know, you need to think that, um, you know, in the news recently, uh, you know, there have been more stories of women being attacked in broad daylight. Um, I think one of the reasons that it's been particularly controversial, the episode, is because... Um, in January, the 12th of January, there was a young woman called Ashley Murphy, um, an Irish teacher. Uh, she was only 23 and she was attacked and murdered while asked for a run, um, out for a run at four o'clock in the afternoon in total like daylight where everyone can see her. And yet Samsung think that a woman can go for a run at two o'clock in the morning. Um, now, I'm going to talk about that in a bit more detail in a moment, but it was obviously been in the news. And this is an advert with uh, one woman who works for uh, women charities. Um, I forget her name, sorry. Um, when it comes up in a minute, I'll pause and, and tell you her name. Um, but this is an interview on uh, five news that happened earlier on in the week. Tell me, what was your reaction when you first saw that ad? 
Uh, to be honest, I laughed. Um, it, it seemed completely... Um, Esther Newman, sorry, is the editor of Women's Running Magazine who's talking here. ...completely ludicrous to me. Um, I, I just can't imagine any woman... I can't imagine any runner, man or woman, that would want to go running at two o'clock in the morning in the middle of the city with headphones on. And is it that, is it the safety aspect of it that, that's really upset you then? It's, it's, the, it's the fact that it's completely unrealistic. Um, no women's experience of running would involve any of those things. I, I, I mean, it's, I can see where they're coming from. There's an idea of kind of empowering women. There's, there's a sort of an idea that this might be a kind of feminist message, but it's not our experience. Like, no, no woman can do this. Yeah, and I think that that's the main point, really, that, um, you know, women aren't afforded the same luxuries as men. They can't go running at two o'clock in the morning when it's pitch black. Um, and, you know, it, I've said just a moment ago that a lot of people have come out and said that it's just tone deaf. Um, you know, you need to think that um, Sarah Everard, um, which happened just over a year ago, was murdered at nine o'clock at night or abducted at nine o'clock at night. Sabine Anessa, eight o'clock at night. And then, as I said, Ashley Murphy, four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and so it just seems a little bit unrealistic that a woman would be able to do this. Um, I also think, and this is my other interpretation of it, that the woman having her alarm go off at two o'clock in the morning and running at two o'clock in the morning, to me, I don't know, it, it almost makes exercise seem something that is almost a bit disordered. And by that, I mean, um, kind of secretively trying to exercise as much as you can because you want to get thinner or you want to lose weight or you're worried how you look when you exercise. So you do it in the middle of the night when no one can see you. Um, it's just a very odd concept. Now, obviously, Samsung have come out and they've apologised and they've said they tried to look at it in a positive way. So they tried to show that, you know, women should be able to exercise in an ideal world. It should be aspirational. Women should be able to exercise whenever, however, um, or wherever they want to. Um, and they've said, quote, it, it, they wanted to show, sorry, quote, individuality and freedom, that women can, quote, exercise at all hours and that women can set, quote, goats, uh, goats, maybe goats, maybe some women want goats, um, goals on our own schedules, not goats on our own schedules, although I do like the idea of that, um, goals on our own schedules. And I get that. I get that it's trying to be positive. And, you know, there's also an argument that maybe it's just an advert. It's just trying to sell a product. It's showing something quite positive happening. Are we being too um, hasty, too critical? But there's a very real issue at the moment of um, female safety and violence against women and male violence against women. Um, and the advert is maybe just a little bit blind and a bit blinkered and a bit dense, maybe, for want of a better word. Now, um, I... I've been doing some reading around, as I always do, about the the ongoing issue of um, violence towards women and um, female safety. And since Sarah Everard, which is just over a year ago, um, there have been 140 cases of women killed by men in the UK. And in 58 of those cases, there's no confirmed suspect. Um, and BBC ran an article this month that was looking at a year gone since the Sarah Everard case. Um, and in 2020 to 2021, so the, the year, 
um, since there have been 41,332 um, sexual assaults um, claims made to the police. And out of that, the article says that 60% of women will know who um, the person is who attacks them. And in terms of a woman who is murdered, 32% are killed by their partner and 17% are killed by a family member. Um, so you're looking there, maybe a father or, or uncle or, or something like that. Um, and in terms of the sexual assault data, the BBC article also looks at uh, why women don't report what happens to them. And it says that, um, according to the data, 40% of women don't report a sexual assault because of embarrassment. 25% don't report it because they don't think they'll be believed, either by other people or the police. And 14% don't report it out of fear that there'll be retribution. So that um, someone, a perpetrator, may come after them again or, you know, a friend or a family member or something like that. Um, and in terms of domestic abuse as well, that uh, women suffer, in January 2018, there were 53,000 reports of domestic abuse, whereas in January 2001, that had risen to 79,000. So you look at an increase there of 26,000 cases. Now, it might be that more people are reporting it rather than there being a sudden un. Um, influx obviously that's something I don't know but regardless of that 79,000 cases in one month of domestic abuse um, and you know I've spoken on this podcast before about the different types of abuse that there are whether that is economic whether that is um, emotional whether that is some type of coercive control in some way now in response to this and not this advert i'm talking about the the issue in general of, of violence against women um the net police in the uk um commissioned a report and um have put together a body called stride which stands for strategy inclusion and diversity diversity sorry engagement strategy inclusion and diversity engagement stride and there's a report that you can read um, you can download it. I've got it here as a, as a PDF. Um, and it's called the Metropolitan Police Service Violence Against Women and Girls Action Plan. Interestingly, they say violence against women and girls. They don't say who's doing the violence. Um, it's generally male violence against women, but there we go. Um, so in the introduction, the commissioner's introduction, it says... Quote, tackling violence remains our top operational priority, including crimes that disproportionately affect women and girls, such as domestic abuse and sexual violence. Male violence against women and girls has a profound and long-lasting impact on those directly affected, shattering the life of victims, their families and close to them. So they do mention male violence against women there, to be fair. Uh, and then they uh, they say that they're working, they're doing all they can do or um, with their partners and stakeholders across London and the UK to prevent um, violence. And they're saying when violence does occur, it will be relentless in our mission to bring offenders to justice. Now, it's a 31 page document and I've had a skim through it because I do find it interesting and it's full of data as well. So, for example, it says one in five women in the experience will experience a sexual assault in her lifetime, while one in four will experience domestic abuse. 
um, in London. Uh, recorded domestic abuse cases have increased by 26% in five years. Um, and that's an important word, I think, when it says recorded domestic abuse, because obviously domestic abuse and all sorts of assaults will be happening that never come to light and people just don't know about. And it also goes on to talk about the treatment of women um, in the legal system as well. So it says, victims deserve justice and through our work with the Crown Prosecution Service, we have seen a steady increase in charges for rape and domestic abuse. Uh, this is vital work we will continue to build on. Um, and I think there, um, it's important to note that quite often women have come out and said that it's the process of going through the law courts and the legal system and the questioning and the interrogation that just terrifies them because they um, don't want to relive things, they don't want to be questioned, they don't want to feel like they're being shamed or blamed, being asked the most intricate and intimate of things and that's something that the, the law system and the handling of, of victims and survivors has really got to work on as well. And as you read through the report, you can see that there are things that the Met Police are trying to do. So they've put something into place called Operation Stan, which means safer travel at night, which raises awareness of certain um, ways that women can uh, get home safely at night, whether that's with registered taxi companies or bus routes and working with Transport for London and the underground. It also refers to Claire's Law, which is when any member of the public can ask the police about historical um, domestic abuse or violence that their partner may have committed if they uh, want to find out whether they're safe with their, their partner, obviously. And it also refers to the push on misogyny now being classed as a hate crime. So a gender-based offence should be classed as a hate crime rather than just, oh, we know they're being a bit sexist, um, that it's actually now becoming a crime to openly do something anti-women or, you know, anti-girls, whether that's just, um, you know, hate speech. Well, I say just hate speech, but you know what I mean? So that misogyny is actually classed now as a hate crime rather than something kind of intangible and something that, that, that doesn't really matter. Now, when I have been looking at this issue then of violence against women, <clears throat> I have this week been watching Mayor of Easttown with Kate Winslet. And I know I'm late to it, like I'm late to everything, like Succession and all sorts of things. And it's very good. And obviously Kate Winslet's brilliant in it. But watching it and, um, you know, if you've not seen it very vaguely, and I won't give too much away. Um, so there's a series of um, attacks and um, abductions and murders against young women in um, a, a town east, um, did I say east town, Mayor of East Town? Hold on, I'm gonna have to Google it now. Mayor of, I only watched it last night, East Town, yeah. Um, got a terrible memory, uh, maybe it's the vid. Um, Mayor of East Town, so attacks on young girls, particularly in East Town. And it made me think about how there is so much in the media and in the kind of the, the digestible media that we have which is based around violence against women and particularly male violence against women so you've got mayor of east town which is all about women being abducted and killed you know and very innocent kind of fragile women being attacked and killed you have the fall which is another fantastic program but where 
you know, you really get into the headspace of, um, I think it's Phil Spector, Jamie Dornan's character, um, and the horrific things that he does to women in and, in, in and around Belfast. You've got True Detective, which I fucking hated, with Matthew McConaughey um, being Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson being Woody Harrelson, um, which was just all about a town, you know, kind of covering up horrendous abuse towards women. Um, and then you have like a show like Dexter, where I mean I know obviously he he attacks men primarily, um, but you've still got a male serial killer, um, that you like, and it's like an anti-hero that you like, um, and it just made me think about how the fine line between entertainment in these type of shows whether they are reflecting society and something that needs to be raised, or whether it's maybe, I don't know, perpetuating, glorifying the violence against women, um, and whether that's maybe part of the problem that because it's so easy to binge, you know, that old chestnut of a phrase, these shows, it makes people maybe, um, what's the word? desensitised, that's the one, um, I have got like proper brain fog today, um, desensitised to the violence that's happening against women, because you just see it all the time on these TV shows, and then it happens in real life, and it's like, mm, that's a bit like The Fall, um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know, it's just, it's just something that made me think, um, and I looked through uh, Netflix, because I mean, I like a good documentary, I like a good um, true crime god documentary think they're interesting but if you ever scroll through um, Netflix or even iPlayer there are just hundreds of them documentaries about this woman getting murdered this woman going missing miniseries one-off shows um, and again it just made me think about how is it important that we watch these and that we maybe know the signs of an abusive partner and that these television shows and documentaries raise those issues? Or is it perhaps glorifying the killers? Does it make them almost popular in a way? Um, is it feeding into this lower part of culture where it's almost entertainment? I don't know. Um, so there is one which I um, watched um, called American Murder, The Family Next Door, um, which is about a, um, a husband, Chris Watts, who murdered his wife and children and covered it up and um, I think she was pregnant as well um, and covered it up. And the documentary, it is interesting in terms of just seeing how um, like sociopathic he is in terms of how calm he remains the entire time after he's done what he's done. But I'm just going to play you a little clip of the advert for it. I'll just give you an idea of, um, again, this type of cinematic way that we're viewing and taking in this content that's really um, brutal and dangerous at the same time. I'm concerned about a friend of mine. I dropped her off at her house at 2 in the morning last night, and I haven't been able to get a hold of her this morning. I've gone to her house, and her car's there. She won't answer phone calls. She won't answer text messages. What's her name? Shanann Walsh. 
Hey guys, my name is Shanann. I just want you to know a little bit of my story. I went through one of the darkest times of my life, and then I met Chris. Okay, you get the idea. Um, and yeah, it just made me think these type of programs, yes, they're interesting and yes, they're disposable, but is it just buying into and almost perpetuating this um, real at the moment, almost epidemic of brutality against women? And because we see it so often on a television show, does that mean we don't really think about it, 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 it um, as much anymore? I don't know. It's just a question that I thought I would pose. Now, I read some articles around these documentaries and whether they are helpful, whether they are detrimental, whether, you know, the kind of place of them in society and in, on, on television. And there was an article written by um, a writer called Laura Barcelia, and she says, and her point of view is that these type of documentaries that show violence against women and particularly male violence against women are quote exposure therapy and that it makes women feel smarter safer and more prepared um and that they can essentially watch these and try and find traits um signposts and signifiers for what an abusive relationship may look like if they worry that they are in one um, and in the same article you know she says that these documentaries are important for women, you know, particularly considering the fact that in the US alone, 15% of all crime are is aimed at black women, so women of colour, um, and that women just fear crime more than men do. So that in a way, watching these documentaries is maybe uh, possibly research, if that makes sense. Um, and there's another article by a woman called Annabelle de Morte, and she wrote this in 2020, and she claims that these documentaries do have a, quote, societal purpose. Um, in the article, she states that, according to data, a person goes missing in the UK every 90 seconds, which is terrifying to think about that um, statistic. But she says that with documentaries like Netflix, um, they um, invite the viewer to help solve crimes, not necessarily the crime in the documentary, um, but to become involved in um, local news and trying to um, look for missing people, etc. And that she says, she claims that... Um, over the last um, year or so, 300 cases have been solved um, thanks to people watching these documentaries and making and calling in tips and calling in information. Um, and I suppose you can see that there's maybe a correlation between people watching these documentaries and then educating themselves on crime and then trying to help. I get that. Um, but then I also think there's maybe, again, like I've said, the argument that they perhaps, um, to use that word again, perpetuate the issue um, of what's happening to women and turn it into entertainment and something you can, you know, watch on your laptop from the safety of your couch and not really put that much thought into it. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about um, in relation to this idea of um, uh, abuse towards women and kind of abusive relationships in general, um, or the danger posed to people, is the ongoing court case at the minute between John Depp and Amber Heard. Um, 
And the reason I'm mentioning it is because I think here there's quite a, a, an important um, presentation uh, of, of a man talking about the abuse that he's suffering. Now, obviously, you know, I don't know the ins and outs, whether it's mutual, whether she was abusive towards him, he was abusive towards her, they were abusive towards each other. I don't know. But I think having an incredibly high profile man talk about the abuse he suffered, um, I think is interesting. And again, I've used that word again. I need a better, another synonym. Um, and important. Um, regard, you know, whether whose side of the, of the, of the fence that, that you're on, um, because we don't really hear men talk about it particularly much. Um, and that's not in any way, shape or form to downplay anything that she's stating either. But I think to have such a high profile case and such famous people talking about the abuse they've both suffered, I think does highlight that abuse happens on a, um, a much bigger scale than, you know, than we think it does. And in, you know, a, a huge variety of ways, unfortunately. So just some of the claims that they have made against each other. Um, and you can look at all of this and you can read all about this online and watch clips of the trial and everything if you want to. So um, Amber Heard has alleged um, domestic violence, um, that he threw a cell phone at her, which struck her in the eye and in the cheek, um, that he screamed at her, held her face, pulled her hair, um, that he had sexually assaulted her in 2015, um, and um, making her take uh, ecstasy tablets, um, dragged her across the floor, punched her, um, and then... Um, Depp on his side, his lawyers have said that she was the abusive one. She would lock him in the bathroom door, uh, in the bathroom, sorry, so that he couldn't get out um, for hours at a time. That she is sociopathic, she's a narcissist. Um, that she has um, slammed him in the face, um, kind of hit him. Um, and even oddly, that she has um, shit in their bed. Um, as like a bizarre, I don't know, surprise when he got into the bed. I mean, I hope that one's made up. Um, and then you've also got some of the messages and tweets and text messages that have come out, which from him don't sound particularly nice. So he said, I hope that Amber's rotten corpse is decomposing in a fucking trunk of a Honda Civic. Lovely. Um, and then the therapist went on the stand and she said, I think it was a female therapist anyway, they said, just in case, non-binary therapist, um, said that the uh, marriage was, quote, mutual abuse. Now, again, there are all sorts of, um, you know, arguments they have against each other in maybe it's not our business to be involved at all but I just think the the idea of hearing that the abusive relationship between um, against a man and a woman when we generally think domestic abuse is towards a woman which it disproportionately is it definitely is um but I just think it's maybe an, a, an important talking point perhaps um so, as always, I suggest some things you might want to go and read. So, I would go and read the Met Report online. You can just Google that. 
Um, just out of interest to see kind of how the, the law and the legal system is responding to this issue. Um, and if you haven't seen the advert, just Google it. Just go on YouTube, the Samsung 2AM advert, and it'll come up and you can instantly make your own point of view, um, your own opinion of what, what you think about the, the advert. Is it um, tone deaf? Is it dangerous or is it just misunderstood and not as serious as everyone's making out? Up to you, your, your point of view. And I always finish with one thing I've done that week. So this is really sad, but because I had the vid for so long, or I felt awful for so long after rather, um, you know, I'm I'm into my exercise, I like running, I like cycling. Um, and so I finally today been able to kind of get my breath back enough to go cycling, which was nice. Um, so I'll probably be aching like a fucker for the next three days. But um it was nice to be able to go out and do something a little bit more normal and not like be out of breath walking one step up a flight of stairs, for example. So as always, if you have any thoughts or questions, let me know, email in, and I will speak to you next week.